listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. Hello, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Cassidy. In today's episode, we are going to explore something that I believe is a critically important ingredient to living a life full of meaning, reaching our goals, caring for ourselves and our mental health, caring for our important relationships. If you have read the title of this podcast, you know what I'm talking about, But bear with me for a second while I build some suspense because I want to appreciate a little suspense. I have discovered that people are really talking about this thing. Whenever I'm reading something or listening to something in the self-help, self-care world, this tends to be the thing that ends up being offered up as the game changer, the thing that we have to be exploring. If you know me, you know I love a good metaphor. If you don't know me, well, welcome to my love of metaphors. I have a quick metaphor to offer up to introduce our topic and why it's so foundational. Let's imagine that you just bought a home and you are so excited to get in there and rip out the old carpets and lay down some beautiful wood floors and paint the walls and you've been pinning kitchens on Pinterest for months and you're excited to get in there and do some renovations. Let's say that you get into the home and what's soon discovered is that there's a crack in the foundation. If we ignore that crack in the foundation, and just sort of blindly go forward in you know all of our plans and reaching our goals in this house, we're going to potentially have big problems down the line. If we ignore that crack in the foundation, it's very possible that at some point that house is going to lean or crack or crumble. So similarly, in our lives, if we don't spend time looking at this foundational thing and building that foundation and really being attuned to that foundation, we're going to go into our plans and our goals and into our life without a strong foundation, without a strong compass. And this foundation in our lives is values. Values are so critically important and evidence supports the idea that these are really important. A model that I use in my clinical practice with clients is called Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, or ACT. And values is one of the key ingredients, one of the most important conversations that I'll have with clients when I'm using this model. And this is a model that's evidence-based, so it's been shown to be really effective and can really create tangible, real change in people's lives. So values, they're really important. I think we can all buy into that, right? We can all buy into the idea that, yeah, values are important, and I'm sure that I have them. The problem is, is that how often do we actually spend time defining what a value even is and actually sitting down and exploring what our personal values are? So my hope for this episode today is to do just that, is to lay the foundation of understanding what values are and giving you a framework from which you can begin to explore your own personal values. 
So let's jump in. How do we define values? Values are the compass in our life. They are the thing that shows up every time we're engaged in something that feels purposeful and meaningful. Values are the answer to the question deep down inside, what is important to me? What do I want my life to stand for? What sort of qualities do I want to cultivate as a human being? How do I want to be in my relationship with others? Values are those things that you can find in the deepest parts of your heart, the things that matter the most to you. Something else about values that's really important is that they are deeply personal, and that means that it's very possible that they could be very different from your parents' values or your partner's values or the values that you seem to find every time you go out into the world or you open up social media or you engage in your cultural or spiritual group. You may find that there's tons of values swirling around you all the time that are held by others. And sometimes you might share those same values, but sometimes you won't. And that's okay. Although sometimes it won't feel like it's okay. I find that if the word should pops up when I'm exploring values for myself or exploring them with a client, if the word should pops up, there should be there should be like a little internal alarm system or red flag that pops up because if the word should pops up, it's very possible that we're being influenced in that moment by a societal discourse or a societal message of what of who we should be, what qualities we should have, how we should be behaving, what things should look like. So I find that when that word should pops up, we want to take that value and look at it more closely. Look at all the parts of it. Ask ourselves questions like, what informs the idea that I should, that my life should look like this, or that my identity as a mother should be this way, I should have these qualities, or my identity as a man should look like this, and I should be behaving in these ways. My relationships should look like this. If the word should pops up, I really want us to question that. It's not always the case that that's a discourse. We may find that it's something we really do value, but I want us to question it because the word should tends to be, like I said, a red flag of some discourse that's informing what we should be valuing. And I'll tell you right now, if a discourse is informing your values and it's not really something that's deeply meaningful to you, that value is not going to be the right compass. It's not going to lead you to a life with meaning. It's not going to better your mental health at all. If anything, it's potentially going to make things a lot harder, stickier, worse, more complicated, and potentially more painful. A question I often like to ask clients related to how deeply personal values are is if nobody else was watching, would this thing still be important to you? So you're not going to get any acknowledgement or credit for living this value or doing these things and nobody's going to know. Would you still be interested in doing it? Would it still be something that's important to you? That's powerful, right? 
Nobody's going to give you the credit, not your parents, not your partner, not your cultural, spiritual group. Nobody's going to give you acknowledgement of living this way or having and holding this value and engaging in these behaviors and having these goals informed by those values. No one's going to give you the credit. Would it still be important to you? So values are deeply personal. Values are also very different from goals. Values tend to inform our goals, but goals are those things that are like the benchmarks in our life. They're the things that we want to accomplish, and once we've accomplished it, we've accomplished it. Values are more process-oriented. They're always, they're always moving forward. They're always informing the benchmarks and the goals in our life. And it's not something that we ever get to and accomplish and now we're done. It's something that's constantly showing up in our lives, helping to inform our behaviors and where we're moving towards. It's the compass. It's very process-oriented. A value is like heading north and a goal is like the river or mountain or valley we aim to cross while we're traveling in that direction. Let's say that when it comes to work, you value accountability, being a hard worker, creativity and having creativity in in the work that you're doing. Let's say that there's also a certain job that you want to have. Going for that job and getting that job might be a goal and it's a benchmark. Those values, though, of being a hard worker and accountability and creativity, those are the values that are going to inform what job it is that you want to have and who you're going to show up as every day when you walk into that job. Let's explore now the relationship between values and our emotions. Sometimes when I'm working with a client and we're exploring values, My clients will say things like, I value being free of pain or free of fear or free of anger or free of sadness. And the thing about emotions is that as much as we often try to control them or be free of them, get rid of them because they can be so hard and so painful, we actually can't. We are hardwired for emotion. And We need emotion. Emotion is hardwired in our brains and in our bodies because it's meant to show up and give us data, give us data for what's going on around us. We are hardwired for anxiety and fear to protect us. We're hardwired for anger to show us when it feels like when our rights are being violated in one way or another. We are hardwired for sadness to show us what's really important to us, right? Because sadness tends to show up when something that's really important or meaningful to us is being rubbed up against in a way that really hurts. Emotions are meant to serve us, but there are definitely times when they surpass that level of helpfulness and start operating in the red zone. Anxiety can be really useful when I need to, say, study for an exam and I'm feeling a little anxious about it, I want to do well. That anxiety may help me study or stay focused or be motivated um, and not being distracted. 
But there are times when that anxiety then surpasses that level of helpfulness and starts operating in the red zone. And now anxiety is not helping me stay focused and stay motivated. Anxiety is potentially keeping me paralyzed. So I fully understand and get that emotions and being free of them at times can sound like something we want to have and to do because it can be so painful. The thing about it is, though, is that we can't get rid of emotions. We actually, to certain degrees, need them, and so we don't want to get rid of them, but we also don't want to feel like we're always operating in the red zone. So we can't control whether or not our emotions are going to pop up because we're hardwired for them. They're going to show up. It's data that we actually need. What we can control, though, is how we respond to that data, that emotional data, as it comes in. We have choices here. And those choices can absolutely be informed by our values. The values can show up as the GPS or the compass to help inform us how we want to respond. Similarly to this idea that we can't necessarily control our emotions, we also can't control the behaviors of others. Sometimes people will share in their exploration of their values that what they value is being treated with respect or being included. And we can't control how others are going to treat us. Trust me, there are definitely times where I wish I had a remote control for my partner or my children or a colleague or a friend. And as much as we may want to be able to do that and have that control, we don't. We cannot control how others are going to treat us. We can't control whether or not somebody treats us with respect or we are included in things. What we do have control over is how we choose to respond. some circumstances, it may not be our fault that we were not treated with respect or that we were not included in something. It may not be our fault, but it is our responsibility to choose how we're going to respond. Different circumstances may call for different things, and we may choose to prioritize different values in different circumstances. We may value both compassion and assertiveness. And some situations, we may choose to prioritize compassion. And when others treat us in a certain way or show up in a certain way, and we can't control that, we may choose to show up with compassion. Other situations, we may choose to show up with assertiveness. So we can't control our emotions and we can't control others. We can, though, choose which values are going to show up and inform our responses. This is actually a good segue into another important piece about values, which is that values often have to be prioritized. We can have tons of values, and at times they may actually conflict, or if we feel like everything is equally important at all moments in time, we may find ourselves going a little bit crazy. So we have to, in different scenarios, take a moment to pause and ask ourselves, 
which of my values do I feel like is really called for in this situation? What am I going to prioritize here? And how things are prioritized is always evolving and moving. And this means that our values also have to be flexible. Our values should not show up as rigid commandments. If they show up as commandments, they can have that same stickiness factor that social discourses can have, where all of a sudden we feel like I have to or I should be doing X, Y, and Z, and that I have to be doing this perfectly all the time. And if I ever fall short of this commandment value, that I am going to then feel a lot of shame or spiral into place of sadness or depression or anxiety or fear. And that's definitely not the point. So values often have to be prioritized. They also have to be flexible and they're not commandments, meaning that they're deeply meaningful, but we also have to acknowledge that we're gloriously imperfect human beings. And that means we're not going to always be in alignment with our values. It's important to catch ourselves when we start to feel out of alignment and give ourselves some grace and bring ourselves back, but we don't want to hold values as commandments. So what I'll usually do with clients when we begin to explore values is I will, on a piece of paper, lay out different categories because oftentimes values can show up in different areas of our life. So I will share those categories with you right now, keeping in mind that it's very possible that some of these categories won't be relevant for you because remember, values are deeply personal and that's okay. So The categories that I would lay out for my clients would be family relations, and the questions here would be, what sort of brother, sister, son, daughter do you want to be? What are the personal qualities that you want to bring to these relationships and that you look for in these relationships? Another category would be marriage, couple, or intimate relations. What sort of partner Would you like to be in these intimate relationships? What personal qualities do you want to develop? What sort of relationship would you like to build? There's also the category of parenting. What sort of parent do you want to be? What sort of qualities do you want to have? And what sort of relationships would you like to build with your children? Friendships and social life. Again, what sort of qualities would you like to bring to your friendships? If you could be the best friend possible, how would you behave toward your friends and what kinds of friendships do you want to build? Career and employment. What do you value in your work? What makes work meaningful for you? What kind of worker do you want to be? So when you show up at work, who are you showing up as? If you were living up to your own ideal standards, what personal qualities would you like to bring to your work? And what are the kinds of relationships that you want to have in your work life as well? Education, personal growth, and development. What do you value about learning, education, training, or personal growth? What are some new skills that you want to learn? What is the knowledge that you would like to gain? What sort of student do you want to be? 
And what personal qualities would you like to apply to education or personal growth? Recreation, fun, and leisure. What sort of hobbies, sports, or leisure activities do you enjoy? What brings you joy? What brings you pleasure? How do you relax and unwind? How do you have fun? Spirituality. Whatever spirituality means to you, right? It may be as simple as being with nature and having time in nature. Or it may be engaging in an organized religion or spiritual community. Citizenship, environment, community life. How, do you like, how would you like to contribute to your community or your environment? This could be through volunteering, supporting a group, supporting a political party. What sort of environments would you like to create at home and at work? What environments would you like to spend more time in? And then there's health, physical well-being. What are your values related to maintaining your physical well-being? How do you care for your body? How do you care for yourself when it comes to sleep, diet, exercise, substances that are put in your body? Why is this important to you? So these would be the different areas that I would often explore. If you are looking for this list, you can find it at um, Russ Harris, who is one of the contributors to research in the area of acceptance and commitment therapy. If you go to his website, www.thehappinesstrap.com, he's got some great resources there in terms of values, and you would find a worksheet that really lays out these different areas and these questions. Something that is really important to consider also when it comes to values is not just the value themselves, but how we measure these values. What are the metrics? Metrics are so important because we could, I could say that I value being an attentive parent, but if the way in which I measure that value is perfect attunement, never being distracted, children that never misbehave because I'm always attuned, if that's my metric, I am going to struggle and I'm going to find myself in experiences of pain because that's unrealistic. So if my metrics are really rigid or unrealistic, then I could have the most meaningful list of values but the metrics are going to get me really stuck. So we want to also explore within these categories, not just the values, but how are we going to measure whether or not our life feels in alignment with these values, making sure that these metrics aren't really rigid or are, we want to make sure they're healthy, healthy metrics by which we're measuring these values. So I have a couple of frameworks that I use to help clients explore their personal values in all these categories. Because I know that from experience, if I ask the question, what are your values, and just leave it open-ended like that, I'll often be met with a stare, a blank stare of, my gosh, I know I have them, but I've never really sat down and articulated them before. 
And I'll share, yes, no worries, because when I was doing this work for myself, the same thing happened where I was like, I know I have them, I believe that they're important, but gosh, I don't even know really where to start. What, how do I even begin to understand what my personal values are? So exploring and looking at them in these categories is a great way to initially start because you're just starting to begin to think about these different areas of your life. But I also found that actually using our pain as an ally and the exploration of our values can be really useful. And let me describe what I mean by that. So we often experience pain because something is happening or occurring or is rubbing up against something that we actually really value. So I will ask clients to share what are some memories that you have that bring a lot of pain? What are some experiences that you've had that have brought a lot of pain to your life? We can actually use pain as an emotional ally in the exploration of our values. So I would invite you to think about times in your life where you were feeling a lot of pain or fear or sadness. What was happening in that experience? What was rubbing up against a value of yours? And what might you identify as being the value that was being rubbed up against in that memory? Also, on the flip side, our sweet memories can actually be really useful in exploring our values as well. So I might ask a client to share with me a really sweet memory, a memory that brings all the good feels, that sweet spot. And I'll ask them to really begin to explore that memory the scent, like the sensory experience of that memory, what was really happening over all the elements. And I'll usually discover that through the exploration of that sweet memory, we will discover and uncover deeply important and meaningful values. Another thing that can often be really useful is I'll ask clients to go out in between sessions and talk to people that are really important to them and ask them, hey, I'm doing this values work thing. If Because you know me so well, what would you say in your experience of me that you would say my values are? And then those clients will come back and they'll share with me what these important people in their lives shared with them. And we'll go through the list and we'll identify the values that do feel like they're deeply meaningful and important and they're being recognized by people that care about that client. Or we'll also identify the values that maybe don't necessarily fit with what that client would say is actually deeply important and valued to them. So I invite you to sit down, pull out a piece of paper, and start to explore these values. Have conversations with people that know you and that you care about, about values. Engage in dialogue. It's usually through dialogue that I find that we can discover things that we may have not otherwise realized. Jump on Google. Type out what are some common values, right? And obviously go into it realizing that you don't want to get trapped and stuck in discourses of what you should be valuing, but come at it with a really flexible, open mind, exploring them, being open to to saying, to telling yourself that some of these things may not fit or be in alignment with what you would really value. Some examples of values, just to throw some out there, might be things like acceptance or adventure, assertiveness, authenticity, beauty, 
caring, challenge, compassion, connection, contribution, courage, creativity and curiosity, equality, excitement, fairness, fitness, flexibility, freedom, friendliness, forgiveness, fun, generosity, gratitude and honesty, humor, humility, independence and intimacy, justice, kindness, love, mindfulness, order, open-mindedness, patience, persistence, reciprocity, respect, responsibility, romance, self-awareness, self-care, self-development, self-control, sensuality, spirituality, skillfulness, supportiveness, trust. Okay, that's just a few examples. There are so many more out there and there are so many that are going to be just deeply meaningful and personal to you and you're going to create on your own. But I just wanted to give you a couple of examples. So once you create this big old list of values, you may feel then prepared and ready to start creating goals and engaging in new behaviors and making changes in your life. A framework that I think can be really useful in development of goals is called SMART goals. So each letter in the word SMART stands for something. And so the first letter S would stand for specific. So when you're making your goals, you want them to be specific. You want to really define what the goals are in really clear language, have a really good understanding of specifically what it, what is it that I'm hoping to accomplish. M would stand for two things. Measurable, so you want to be able to know when you're when you've accomplished this goal, so you have some sort of measurement of when you would know this. But also M would stand for meaningful. This is where values come in. You want, really want your goals to be informed by those values because if they're not meaningful, then what are you working towards? Why? You want your values to be informing these goals. A would stand for achievable. So we really want to explore, do I have the skills and the resources and the support to achieve this goal right now? And if I don't, that's okay. That just means I got to take a few steps back and create some goals that may help me in obtaining the skills, training, the resources, or the support. Another A would be action-oriented. So if our goals don't have behaviors connected with them, things that we actually are going to be doing, actions, then they're just dreams and wishes. So I don't know if any of you have ever watched the movie Trolls. <laughs> There's this one part when Branch is like, what's the plan? And Poppy, the troll, who's trying to save all her friends, basically is like, well, we're going to go. We're going to save our friends. And he's like, that's just a wish list. <laughs> Those are just your dreams. What are we actually going to do to accomplish this task? So we need to have actions and behaviors connected to our goals. R would be realistic. So going back to when we talked about metrics and how we measure our values, we need things to be realistic. Otherwise, we're going to get really stuck in feeling like I'm trying to accomplish something that's actually not possible or I've set 
really high standards or expectations that are just not realistic. So R would be realistic. T would stand for time frame. So we also want to give ourselves some idea of when do I want to accomplish this by? That can really be supportive in terms of accountability. So to summarize, in today's episode, we explored our relationship between values and our emotions, the behaviors of others. We discussed how values often have to be prioritized. They're not commandments. They inform our goals, but they're more process-oriented. Remember, goals are like the benchmarks. We also explored how we really have to pay attention to the metrics by which we measure our values. We explored how values can show up in different areas of our life. We can discover values in both our pain and in our sweet memories. I am so excited for you to get out there and start exploring your values, write them down, use those values to start informing your goals and your behaviors. And the hopes is with all of that, you begin to design a life that has more purpose and meaning. I may be totally biased, but I do believe that having a therapist to support you and exploring values and doing this work can be really useful. And please don't forget that as you go out into your life and start doing this work, that you're not going to do it perfectly. Actually, you're going to be gloriously imperfect at this. And that's okay. Because you know what? You're human. And that's where potentially the values of grace and compassion can come in. So much grace and so much compassion is needed here. So just sprinkle that over everything I just said, okay? You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day.